The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. And it's brought to you by Workforce Staffing. Is your business simply surviving or are you thriving with Workforce Staffing's agile solutions? Visit workforcestaffing.co.za to learn more. Colin Cullis. Uh, progress, Colin. I love progress, but people don't always like progress. People get a little bit jealous of those who create the progress, who drive the progress. And uh, the tall poppy syndrome is something that is that is real, I suppose. It is. And uh, every now and then the, the tall poppy syndrome is because there are some crazy people that wind up driving a lot of the change that we see in our world. Uh, I tend to focus on sort of the technology element and assume, and I think a lot of people do, that technology changes the world. It doesn't. It's what allows it to change, but it's the people behind it, either that discover that technology and more often the people that are drive for its adoption. And they are not normal. That's not to say, you know, entrepreneurs are normal. I, I think they fit into a different category. Uh, and so seen as this has some uh, a reference to finding staff, I've got three personalities who, who fall into the, the, the category, I think, are, are entrepreneurs at heart, who most entrepreneurs listening this evening will be able to identify with, but through a strange combination of their character, their vision, a bit of luck and, and something of their timing has allowed them either to become hugely su- successful or fall a very, very long way. And I wonder how many of the three names you might have come across. One is Robin Zing, the other is um, Pham Nat Vong, and the one you're most likely to know from this because we've covered him before is Adam Newman. So let me start with uh, Mr. Robin Zing. He is the current uh, head and founder of the one of the world's largest uh, lithium-ion battery makers. The company is called Cattle, or from its acronym C-A-T-L. Its actual brand name suggests they've certainly got some work to do in terms of marketing, because it's the contemporary Amprex technology company. Um, and he began uh, work uh, as as a as a sort of a, an engineer working on battery technology. Uh, for TDK, the Japanese sort of technology company, TDK. In 1999, he decided uh, not only was he going to be an entrepreneur, and I suppose at some point I've got to do the when they struck off and did their own. Uh, He was 31 years old, and he decided to found his own company, effectively to do the same things. These were uh, mobile phone batteries uh, back in 2000, you know, feature phones, pretty small things. But nevertheless, he saw there was an opportunity to grow this. He wanted to become a specialist, and so he did. So much so that six years later, TDK bought his company, and said, please remain on as the head. What you're doing with the, the Im- improvements with, uh, with uh, batteries for phones is something they definitely want to do, which it did until 2012. This is now peak mobile phone time, 2012. This is the, the top for mobile phones. 2008, 2007 is when they came through. The, the, the smartphones, everything else were, were starting to crest. He decided to walk away from mobile phone technology and said, I'm going into a different kind of lithium uh, uh, technology. I'm going to make the batteries that will power the electric vehicles. This is four years after the first Tesla was sold. And back then, you know, very few people knew what a Tesla was. It was kind of the same people who were messing around with Bitcoin with the guys who were thinking Tesla was a thing. So this was way ahead of anybody else to say, I'm going to double down and, and work on battery technology. Um, and he was he was right. Not only did he happen to get his timing right for when he got into that industry and start setting it up, but the Chinese government uh, and, and you know, the, the plans for doing the Belt and Road Initiative and certainly seriously uh, um, scaling up its, its industrial capability and, and wanting to sort of insert itself as becoming key to certain developing technologies, identified um, certainly uh, green energy as one of them, and, and this would be a part of it. And so effectively, the, the battery makers in uh, electric vehicle technology made China what Saudi Arabia was 
to you know combustion engine vehicles and china remains in that place there are other uh, battery manufacturers but certainly the largest ones and the size that of, of, of the the hold they have over it um puts it way ahead of everybody else to the point where the european union is actually seeing that as a as a global threat to themselves because of how much of the the, the supply of the lithium and the cobalt and nickel that china currently has either procured or owns or is busy uh, increasing capacity for and this is not somebody who did so on behalf of the communist government. So this is not a, a bureaucrat. This is an entrepreneur who owns yeah, that company. Amazing. He received, yeah, he received you know, very generous subsidies and assistance from the Chinese government. And the, certainly their, their efforts were aligned. Uh, but he has seen his, his wealth grow to, at the beginning of this year, and I must stress at the beginning of this year, he was worth over $40 billion. An absolutely incredible amount of wealth to build up for somebody who's just 54 years old. Um, no, but I mean, but, that's, it, it does can't... go to show that, you know, subsidies properly allocated to the right people in the right industries at the right time with them, with their capabilities, can not only create enormous value for the investors and for shareholders and for the entrepreneurs themselves, but can go to solve very real world problems. And, um, you know, and that is, you know, you don't just go and throw money at a group of people and hope that it works. Um, you, you really have to be strategic about it. And that is absolutely key. Uh, and, and part of the strategy is not just knowing, in this case, which industry to go for, but, you know, working out the entire supply chain to say, we need to procure the, the raw materials, we need to do the production, we need to have the kind of capabilities, you know, you need the, the people with the skills to, to develop and work uh, with the technology well enough and advance it. Uh, but you also need those personalities who will persevere and, and, and bully, I suppose you could say sometimes, their way to get what they need. They can't just accept the status quo and say, oh, well, I tried. This is what it is. They've got to keep pushing. Um, and, and, and I say he was, you know, China's third richest man uh, early this year, 29th richest person in the world. But uh, subsequently, certainly three very large uh, issues have, have certainly made that a lot more challenging for him this year, over $12 billion of value uh, removed from the company's balance sheets and I suppose his. Uh, one, uh, China is facing some crazy drought at the moment and some very, very high temperatures to the point where the hydroelectric capacity that the country has typically relied on um, is not always available to it. And as people try and cool down and use air conditioners, et cetera, the demand for electricity has increased, so they've had to, to drop the, the access to it. Uh, as a consequence, his factory simply cannot operate to produce the lithium that is the batteries that has been required. Add to that China's sort of very strident view about COVID. Anytime any cases are detected, they just shut down that area, which again uh, disrupts production. And they have got enormous factories. Their headquarters actually looks like a long sheet of lithium ion battery as it's about to be rolled up to make a battery. But the actual factories they make are half a kilometer long. Basically the raw materials going one, one end and the, the battery packs come out the other all in one place, produced it in, in one go. So, so that is going to be their challenge now. The, 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 the clever moves to, to make sure that they've got investments in lithium, they've developed a whole bunch of those lithium ponds, they've bought uh, shares in cobalt mines in, in, in Africa, um, and the nickel is the other one. But that's the other one where they've, they've, they've copped a big, a bit of a headache. They took a short position on, on nickel, uh, believing that Indonesia just brought on a new a bunch of mines and so that the prices would drop. Uh, and, and, and most people expected that it would, and they took a very large position in that. But after the invasion in the Ukraine, 
uh, all commodity prices have you know, shot up. And as a result of the, the gap in, in, in what they hoped the price would be and what the prices are, they've had to spend a lot of money and lost a lot of money uh, trying to cover that. So that, that's our first entrepreneur. And that falls into the, the, the space of saying there's a real visionary whose time has come, who's seen the writing on the wall and possibly still at the crest of the wave. And it just remains to be seen now, you know, how quickly will the ramping up for electric cars, et cetera, allow them to go. Uh, Pham Nhat Vong is in a similar category, visionary. He uh, grew up in Vietnam, communist country. He was excelled at mathematics uh, and so got a scholarship to go and study in, in the Soviet Union in, in, in Moscow, uh, graduated there and then moved to the Ukraine and set up a, a instant noodle factory. Uh, performed so well with that that he actually moved on to become sort of one of the world leaders in dehydrating foodstuffs. Uh, to the point where Nestle bought his company from him uh, in 2020, 2005, somewhere there. Uh, as a consequence, he took that money, returned to Vietnam, and then started looking for somewhere to invest. He invested in properties, did fantastically well with that. It, it branched off into hospitality and even medical stuff. So he's got hospitals and, and, and hotels and, and a lot of properties, forming the Vin Group. And then he said, I want to put Vietnam on the map for its manufacturing, motor manufacturing, and created VinFast, which this year is looking to start producing Vietnamese uh, VinFast branded vehicles in the US, electric vehicles. They're selling electric vehicles, basically so carrying coals to Newcastle if you're selling electric vehicles to the Americans. And this is a, a, you know, a company in a country that's got a very limited um, history of building motor vehicles and going to America to where the thing was invented and going to try and do the same thing with them. Now, that is a massive undertaking to do. And the, the Vin Group is almost 10% of the GDP of Vietnam. So if something were to fail with this company, resting yeah. on this, again, he's, he's in his 50s, there is a massive implication for Vietnam. And you kind of wonder, you've, you've done it, you have succeeded, you have absolutely transformed so much of the Vietnamese economy, just relax and enjoy it. Yet they're propelled to go and do something as crazy as this. And if they succeed, well, of course, the accolades will follow. But man, the risks are just so, so big. And, and that's what remains to be seen. And then the final Adam, one, which is... The, Adam Newman. Now, he's making something of a, an unimpressive comeback. I saw a video of his first interview in two years since the collapse of WeWork. Uh, well, his involvement in WeWork. And uh, he's not quite the brash individual he was two years ago. That's for sure. I'm doubtful of that. I don't think this is a leopard that's going to change his spots. <laughs> he has certainly you know, aged a bit. He's, he's a little older, a couple of years. But given the way he ran that company and what his sort of heritage is with regards to his view of the world and how business runs, you're not going to change it in two years. And ultimately, <laughs> after being kicked out of WeWork and literally kicked out of WeWork, despite being incredible in, in transforming it, let's say, we covered WeWork as well at the time. We were like, wow, yeah. if he can pull this off, this is amazing because he hasn't done anything new. He's just talked about it in a way that got a lot of people excited. Turns out that was as close to, you know, uh, snake oil salesman than, than actual somebody transforming something. Well, then he went into do, you know, carbon credits on the blockchain, two things of themselves, very speculative and kind of 50-50 for, for most people's appetites. But he's now back to want to do to rental apartments what he supposedly did with office rentals. He, he can do that because he's managed to buy almost 4,000 properties while he was still at WeWork. And he's looking to now sort of transform it, which you kind of would argue it's Airbnb, but for people who actually just want to rent an apartment on a slightly longer lease. But the, the thing that makes it crazy is Mark Andreessen of Andreessen Horowitz, a very big, established, successful venture capital company, gave him $350 million for his company that hasn't yet begun working. And this is what blows my mind. And if you really want to see what this guy is capable of, the, the We Crashed TV series in itself 
a strange hybrid business unusual thing because it's a podcast that became a TV series on Apple streaming services describing a crazy disruptor in the real world, um, paints a very big picture or very good picture of what he's looking like. And as much as it seems crazy to believe that this is possible, we must remember that there are a whole bunch of Americans and an entire Republican Party that thinks Donald Trump making a comeback still makes sense. So as much as these three entrepreneurs are kind of kind of typical in some respects for what you can expect for you know, visionaries and, and, and entrepreneurs who do wind up changing the world, they often always have some very crazy weird bits as well. And somebody there to pull the handbrake every now and then, uh, it would be a good thing. Colin Cullis, what a wonderful business unusual this evening. Three great entrepreneurs doing great and incredible things. Some of it feels a little bit close to the edge, though. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how Adam Newman shapes up this time round. The ability to upscale or downscale your staff with ease gives your business the flexibility needed for success in volatile times. Take the guesswork out of managing personnel and rely on Workforce Staffing's compliant nationwide staffing solutions. Visit workforcestaffing.co.za and let your business thrive. Workforce Staffing, your preferred staffing partner.